Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Askelson, and thank you for joining us here on Locked On Coyotes. It's week number three for Locked On Coyotes, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Episode number 11, and we're joined again by Sports360AZ's Andrew Bell. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well, Seth, and tough weekend for the Coyotes. Obviously, they go up to Colorado, and they're not able to get the job done. I think the positive, they do get a point out of it. And Ante Ranta in his return didn't look out of it whatsoever. I thought he was pretty sharp, especially for a first start back. And I think that was important for the Coyotes. And I think it's why they sent him to the American Hockey League first, get some work underneath him, make sure he's fresh, and he's able to get back into form. And, uh, yeah, and you know, put forth a pretty good performance, give his team a chance on maybe not one of team's best performances of the season like I said the positive is they still get a point that helps always in the western conference standings um but yeah the, you know just a tough saturday for the coyotes but me personally i'm doing well seth so thank you again for having me on the show yeah of course we'll bring you on as uh, much as you're available and as you said the coyotes rough weekend uh, one game lost at colorado a uh, 3-2 in overtime and a game that Certainly didn't feel like the Coyotes should have gotten a point out of. They did. No no taking away from their valiant effort. They got goals from Grabner and Schmaltz in the third period. A game that had uh, no goals through the first 40 minutes. And then through the final 20 in overtime, five total goals. So if you just saw the score uh, in passing, nothing uh, kind of out of out of sorts to the eye. But. Offense didn't pick up till the third period and started with Nazem Kadri, who hasn't had, in terms of numbers, the best start to his Colorado career, I think, for Kadri. Good good hockey player, really solid center. But especially in Toronto in those lean years, he was their number one guy. And even when you have bad hockey teams, somebody's got to score the goals, right? Like Somebody's going to put up points and put up a good amount of goals. So Kadri, numbers... I think a little inflated due to the situation in the Leafs, but still a solid center. Kind of in a similar situation in Colorado where he gets there. There's already a lot of guys in front of him, especially at that center position. But um, he gets his first goal of the season, so maybe that's his his turning point. And uh, then not too long after that, um, just a little under two minutes, uh, minute 49 to be exact, Tyson Yost scores his first of the season, so... Um, a couple of guys who scored their first. And, again, the usual suspects for Colorado on the assists. Uh, McCarr and McKinnon on Kadri's goal. McCarr gets another one on Yost's goal. I mean, McCarr, everybody knew he was going to be a stud. We got a chance to see him when he was at UMass Amherst uh, two years ago when they played at Oceanside Ice Arena in Tempe. And that was a UMass Amherst team that was not very good, which is why I was shocked that they were pretty good last year. Um, a pretty quick turnaround for them, but um, especially when McCarr played on that team, you could tell he was he was the best guy on the ice, even though he was on a tough team now, on a lot better team. So the Coyotes um, ended up getting two goals of their own, like we talked about in the third. Michael Grabner responded less than a minute after Yost's goal to cut that lead in half, and then Schmaltz scores at 16:03 to tie it, and then Burakowski scores in overtime to finish off his. Uh, two-point night we'll get to that overtime goal break that one down a little bit more in depth but Andrew you didn't um, you and I just saw kind of recapped the condensed game again got a chance before we jumped on Uh, what did you see out of the Coyotes 
um, on Saturday and just kind of digesting what you've read and what is what do you think happened on Saturday where again struggled to find offense early they did score two but definitely didn't feel like the 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 overtime loss should have been the outcome yeah I think for the Coyotes I thought they came out a little flat I thought Colorado had the upper hand and uh, that's one thing you can't do going into a tough place to play like the Pepsi Center up in Denver Denver pardon me and uh, yeah I thought they came out a little flat defensively thought there were a few things that could have been improved you talked about the overtime game winner that we'll get to that's one of the areas uh, I'm sure that head coach Rick Tockett wasn't happy about kind of how that game ended especially when they had a chance to get that extra point uh, you got to give the Coyotes credit though um, in the third period when things kind of weren't going their way they give up two goals really quickly uh, they're able to bounce back but yeah I think it was just the energy from the get-go not getting you know their legs underneath them and especially at elevation and a building that's tough to play and that's tough to rally from you know Antiranta kept a minute with a couple big saves uh, they're able to come up with the uh, you know a few big plays down the stretch but overall uh, just not the energy that it takes to beat a team like Colorado with that much talent. You mentioned Kale McCarr, Kadri. I know he hasn't had the points that kind of Colorado is expecting him to produce just yet, um, but still a very talented player nonetheless. Then, of course, you have McKinnon and Landis Cog. And to beat a team like that in their home rink on a Saturday night, I got to have a little bit more jump under your legs and got to have a little bit more urgent sense of urgency going into that game, especially when you know you have Auntie Ronte coming back in his first game and, um, and then on top of that, I know we'll get to it later in the show too, along with that overtime goal. But uh, the worst news coming out of all this, we haven't even brought it up yet, but it's the loss of Nick Jalmerson, who is out for the foreseeable future in a few months. So that's the worst that comes out of it. There's a couple capable defensemen on the back end who can step in and step in for him. But, you know, it's, it's a tough loss for the Coyotes. But like I said, the positive is they get a point out of it on a night where they didn't really play their best hockey. Yeah, and – Again, the Cutters have had a pretty tough schedule to start the season, but I think, again, like we talked, if you want to be a top team in the West, you got to beat the top teams right now, and uh, the Coyotes have the opportunity to be really good this season, and um, it's about being those really good teams, and so um, schedule will lighten up a little bit, uh, not too much uh, in terms of heading into Tuesday and Thursday. They do get uh, Winnipeg tomorrow uh, in Manitoba and then Nashville at home on Thursday. So still a couple more big tests for the Coyotes in, in their uh, in a conference that they feel that they can compete in. And uh, again, like we talked about, schedule lightens up. They get Ottawa on Saturday. Um, so you hope that's a game that if, if they have a hard time getting through, uh, these next two games in terms of scoring offensively, maybe the one to, to jump start, but then you got to go on the road. Um, and it's a new uh, metropolitan New York trip. It's the Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, and, um, and then up north for the Sabres before re returning home on the 30th. So uh, it's kind of a, a big, big week ahead for the Coyotes and a lot of road games early, but a team that really has to, really has to start piecing it together um like we talked about we'll get to that overtime goal probably in just a little bit but uh Jarmelson's injury I mean he was I think he blocked the most shots last year it might have been the third most um, so a guy who's willing to sacrifice his body 
maybe the best uh, defensive defenseman, maybe, maybe the best player on that back line for the Coyotes. Uh, luckily, it's only three months with that, that injury, and uh, Capobianco is going to get a chance. He's up. Um, obviously, we'll see who's in the lineup come game time tomorrow, but um, I guess for the Coyotes, that's the good thing with the depth is that they get the opportunity to uh, really – they get the opportunity to, to see what they have in terms of depth. We'll really see how deep they are. Um, but, Andrew, for you, what what do you think for this team has not gone right? And I don't think this is, a, a again, too early to hit any sort of panic button, but you're 1-2-1. and one. You've scored uh, – you scored seven – or six goals in your last two games, and prior to that you had once. So you've only scored seven goals in the season. I mean, what, what's what got to change for the Coyotes? I mean, you're, you're almost getting to that point where, you know, the 15-game mark for a lot of people is really like, okay, is this team in trouble? And again, St. Louis, who was in last place at the turn of the calendar year, wins the Stanley Cup, so anything can happen. But that's it's more the outlier than the rule. So how do the Coyotes get things kind of – back into a little more consistency into the flow that they want as, as the season goes on. It starts with the, it sounds obvious, but it starts with the guys up front on the first line. You brought in Phil Kessel for a reason. You brought in, um, you know, that talent. You signed Clayton Keller to an extension, and you have Phil Kessel up front, and you want them to produce what you paid for, kind of. And, um, you know, it's part of being a top-line guy and being the guy with all the expectations on your shoulders. If you ask coyotes fans or anybody who's you know kept up with the team pretty closely it's the second and third line that's played really well for him i think that was evident in the vegas game and i think they've shown through guys like nick schmaltz he, you know i thought in the anaheim game he had a tough performance i think he looked like he was a step behind a little slow out of position a few times defensively not in the right areas and kind of not doing the right things but you know he's i think as a part of scraping off the rust coming off an injury and i think he's played really well uh the last couple of you know, the last couple of games, and he's able to score a goal against Colorado. I think he's picked it up. I think Carl Soderberg's been a, you know, been a good pickup for them. I think he's played pretty solid. He's been a good net front presence. He got a big round of applause with Colorado fans and uh, Avs fans the other night, and that's for what he did for the franchise. And you just look at other guys down the line. I think they've done a pretty good job. It's that top line. You brought them in to score goals and uh, haven't produced a lot so far. And, uh, you know, it's early, I understand, and you'd rather have them produce and get hot at the end of the season or midseason. Uh, but at, on that same token, you need to have at least some sort of production. Uh, and you know, I thought that Vegas game they played well, but you got to find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. Sounds cliche, but when you're getting paid those big bucks, uh, that's kind of what it comes down to. And it's part of playing in the National Hockey League is those expectations. Not as big, I'd say, in a market as. You know, and that's no disrespect to kind of Arizona's market, but there's not as much pressure on those guys as there is in Austin Matthews in Toronto. That's kind of just, um, you know, the way it is. But there is a little bit of pressure right now with those guys for have, to having to step up. And I think it just all starts with burying a goal, first off. Like I said, I don't think – I think for the majority of their games, what are we, four games in now, Seth? Uh, the, you know, they've played well, but they just haven't been able to bury one minus Derek Stepan, kind of his opening night against Anaheim first goal of the season to get off to a good start. But since then, things have kind of quieted down. I think people are waiting for Phil Kessel to break out. And it's also a part 
um, of developing chemistry too. You know, these guys haven't played together for a super long time. I know um, there's a lot of speculation in the off season about what they're going to play or who's going to play with Phil Kessel and kind of bring them into camp. Um, but I think, you know, a few weeks into the season, like I said, it's only four, um, but kind of that 15-game plateau, I expect them to kind of hit their gear. I still think it might take a few games, but hit their gear around the uh, the eight-game mark, I'd say, probably eight to ten games. That's probably how much I'd predict it takes to develop that chemistry. And if it doesn't, do you see Rick Tockett taking – or making some moves, changing things up, switching up lines. We haven't seen that too much this season. There's been a few changes here and there. Obviously, you have Lawson Kraus going down, and they have Barrett Hayton stepping in. So there's been a few tweaks, but um, all in all, I think you know those top guys gotta you know step up a little bit. And the other thing you gotta consider is with the point production, do you separate them? Do you put Clayton Keller on a different line and Phil Kessel with somebody else to try and even out? Or just kind of have that goal score. Right now, I don't really think that's the case because, like I said, I think those second and third lines have developed chemistry. But uh, the top guys, um, you know, it sounds cliche, like I said, but got to step it up a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do there. I don't think – I think maybe Taka gives it this week, and if he still doesn't like the the offensive production, he will start to maybe switch the lines up a little bit. But we'll see uh, Thursday. be an interesting time when they return home. But first, they got to win a game in Winnipeg. And um, if you're a Coyotes fan and you want to check out the Coyotes, maybe you're up in Winnipeg uh, following the team around. I know I don't have that type of money to be flying up to Canada. But if you do want to head up to Canada, see the team and the uh, the original city that the franchise is from, Vivid Seats could be the perfect place for you to find tickets. Now, Vivid Seats gives you the the best tickets, the best tickets available, tries to find you tickets to help you make memories that last a lifetime and this doesn't even just count for hockey you want to go see a concert sun season starts here in a, uh, next week actually um, cardinals they've won two in a row next time that they're back home is on halloween night maybe you don't want to go trick-or-treating maybe you want to see the cardinals try to maybe make it four in a row we'll see but um, it, if you want to see any sort of live entertainment whether it be sports concerts or otherwise vivid seats is the place for you um, they give you the best prices, best available um, rewards program that you're automatically entered in. Um, and baseball postseason still chugging along. We're in the LCS, getting pretty close to the World Series. And if you want to go see any of those postseason games, a lot of former D-backs still playing in the playoffs at the moment. You can use postseason at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Once again, at Vivid Seats, promo code postseason at checkout, you could receive up to a discount of $100. And the way the overtime goal was scored on Saturday in Denver, not the most ideal. It was one that uh, basically Burakovsky has the puck along the uh, the side wall. And again, three on three, a lot of open space, tough to defend. But Keller just lets, uh, Clayton Keller just lets Burakovsky walk in and he puts it over the shoulder of Ranta and it's one of those things that, with Clayton Keller, leads the team in points, right? He's got three assists, so it's hard to say he's having a a bad start to the year. But a guy that has struggled defensively his first, his first two and now four games, two years and four games. And when you're a little bit younger, fine, right? You're adjusting to the NHL game. 
maybe didn't have to play, you know, focus as hard defensively, be as tight as you are on defensemen as you have to be in the NHL, especially with how good defensemen are now offensively. But for Keller, especially at three on three, you got it. You have to be defensively responsible. It's not five on five. It's not, oh, the defenseman can go out and go get him and I can drop back and play that spot for a second. You got to be on your guy and you got to be tight. And Keller's fast enough, right? It's not that he doesn't have the speed to keep up. It's not that he doesn't, he's not able to stay stride for stride with guys. It's, he's in a bad position. He gave the inside position to Burakovsky. And when Burakovsky cut in, he didn't even try to lift the stick. I mean, he reached in for the moment, but um, it's for Keller. A lot of questions kind of surrounding him going into this year. Didn't have the biggest breakout season that everybody thought he was going to have, which is fine, right? He had a pretty decent year last year. But now, team that struggling a little bit offensively. I know he has three points, but he doesn't have a goal. He's struggled defensively. What does Clayton Keller need to do to kind of turn it around? I mean, I think Rick Tockett has kind of hinted that maybe Keller needs to start turning it around or there could be some repercussions what 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 does he need to do to find his complete game well I think Rick Tockett touched on it you know being out last year at the end of the season as they were making that playoff run here on some of his post-game press conferences um, you know after when I was out at Hill River Arena he noted the fact and he didn't call out any specific names and it's understandable because you know you don't want to call guys out or point them out too bluntly but he had said at the time, and that was at the time when, uh, you know, Vinny Hinestrone is a bad Richardson had kind of kind of come on strong towards the end of the year, and he had said in the a couple of the post game press conferences, you know, I'm not gonna say who the guys are, but there's some guys who just need to flat out step up, and indirectly but directly, um, kind of in the bat with some of Clayton Keller's, um, a little bit of woes at the end of last year and his lack of production and. I don't understand, or I understand at the NHL level, every guy, he might have been dealing with an injury, there's some things, but every person at that point in the year was dealing with something, has some sort of bump and bruise heading into the postseason. But indirectly, directly, uh, I think that's, to put it lightly, he was kind of directed at a little bit of Clayton Keller and getting moving forward into this year. He has all the talent in the world offensively. He's fast. And I think a lot of the questions coming out of BU and coming into Arizona was, is he big enough to play at the NHL level? He's got all this speed and talent, but can he withstand some of the physical play at the next level? It's a big part of the game, obviously. And I think that first year, you saw it towards the end of the year, he really came on strong. But that year last year, I just think, you know, there were some woes there. He gets a big contract. I think, um, you know, the Coyotes have a lot of faith in him, but the effort defensively, everybody knows he can playmake, and you mentioned the goals, but he's not really a goal scorer. He's more of a playmaker. He sets guys up. That's kind of his game. But the effort defensively is what really has to be kind of a cause for concern, I'd say. And to put it flat out and, um, you know, to kind of be blunt with Saturday, that effort just wasn't it wasn't good enough. Um, Burakovsky's a bigger guy. I understand it's a tough matchup when he's outside of the wall, but he let him walk right in there down on the goal line and you got to do something. I know you and I were talking off air, Seth, but even a penalty in that situation, it maybe might not be the worst because he sets up a two on one. OEL had to stay home on the back post with Rantanen and you can't expect him to step up on the play. Otherwise it's going to be a slam dunk on the back post. And quite simply that effort 
just wasn't good. I know, like I said, Burkowski's a bigger guy. It's tough to go in there and be physical, try to muscle him off the puck, but lift a stick, get in there, try to do something, and the effort just wasn't good enough. And I think Clayton Keller's a heck of a player, and I think he has the potential and the tools. He's already shown it in flashes, but to be one of the best players in the NHL with his offensive ability. But the NHL is not a one-way league. You don't get in – I understand as a defenseman, maybe, if you're a good defenseman, but you're starting to see the game shift now to where you're seeing defensemen play on both sides of the puck. Coaches, scouts, everybody, they're looking for guys that not only can put the puck in the net, set, make plays, but they're heck of a players. They can be your best, you know, put up the most points and be on the penalty kill too and block shots and do all those little things. That's what they're looking for nowadays. And for Clayton Keller, I still think that ga- that part of his game needs to evolve and Quite simply, like I said on Saturday, that effort um, just wasn't good enough. With that being said, it's one glimpse. It's a long season. and But I think it traces back to last year and kind of some of the concerns that are still there. And Like I said, I think he has all the talent in the world. I think he's a heck of a hockey player. And I think you're going to see it come with time. Um, it just, you know, you got to learn from your mistakes. And I think that's one of those mistakes that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, and I think he'll, he'll learn. And if he doesn't, I don't think Rick Tockett is afraid of sitting him down. Not that I think that will ever happen, but, uh, you know, I just don't – just not sure not, – not sure how, how things are going to play out uh, for Clayton Keller. And to your point about Rick Tockett, he's a hard-nosed coach. That type of, um, you know, play – if you're, I mean, if you're not doing the little things correctly out there on the ice, getting in the passing lanes, blocking pucks, um, you know – skating hard back on the play being hard on the back check i mean he's not afraid to sit guy he that's the type of player he was that's what he expects at the very minimum from his guys so um to your point like i said clayton color is a heck of a player and i agree with you on that point seth that you know not that i'm saying oh he he should sit him next game or anything like that that's not what i'm saying whatsoever but if it comes to a point where it continues to linger i see no uh i don't think rick taco would hesitate to pull the trigger on that um, because, like I said, that's what he expects out of his guys. He ex- he's a hard-nosed coach. Uh, they need to do all the little things correctly. Last year, they didn't have the talent to be a team that could be cute with the puck and, you know, kind of wheeling and racing up the ice. They had to be solid defensively. They had to do um, those hard-nosed, hard-nosed things correctly. Otherwise, it was going to be a long night at the office. So, um, But, yeah, I think to that point, I don't think he'd hesitate to pull the trigger if need be. Um, but – is definitely a learning moment for Clayton Keller on Saturday, I'd say. Yeah, and we'll see. I think if things don't go right here in the next week or two and Keller's still struggling on, on the two-way game, maybe to send a message, maybe he is the one sitting in the press box come uh, the start of November. And for the Coyotes, uh, a big change for them coming unnecessarily, of course. Uh, Jarmelson out, talked about that a little bit earlier, but um, Capo Bianco up, Labushkin up. Be interesting to see who's in the lineup. Labushkin played a little bit more last year. Capo Bianco tore his ACL in uh, the second game last season, so kind of unfair to say that he didn't have a good year because he only got two opportunities, but we'll see who Rick Tockett likes better, especially come warm-ups tomorrow and when the lineup card is turned in, but Labushkin, solid defensive defenseman. Um, Capo Bianco, a little more on the offensive side, put up some good point totals in Tucson. Uh, if you're Rick Tockett, who is the guy you're putting out there 
tomorrow night. I think it's Capo Bianco tomorrow night, and I think just based off you know his injury and kind of the ups and downs he had, I think it's good to try and get him back in there, get his confidence going, and just give him you know the reins a little bit for a few games. I think it's going to be a battle for that spot that's looking to be filled. I think Ilya Labushkin did a really good job last year coming in whenever his number was called. There's a lot of times where he was sitting out maybe three or four games, two, three games, and all of a sudden he's slotted into the lineup the next night. That was kind of what occurred with Kevin Connaughton still on the uh, on the team and some of the defensemen that were starting to come back. And to that same point, did a good job of stepping in when guys were injured. So he's a guy who I think Rick Tockett can trust as a defenseman which is really important for a coach. He's a guy who you don't really feel uneasy about stepping in. I liked his physical play last year. Had a few penal- He'd have a few penalties here and there, but I think his physicality is something that head, uh, Coach Tockett is going to welcome, and I think he's just the familiarity with whoever he's paired with. Um, the guys know who he is, and he's no stranger. I know he um, had a little bit of the trip down to Tucson as well, but I think he's trusted. I think he'll be ready. And I think Capo Bianco is the guy for right now, but I think it's going to be a night-to-night basis of um, if one guy doesn't perform, then the other guy will step in for him. And I think that will be a fun little jousting match between the two of them, having a just a friendly competition for that spot to fill and for an opportunity. But I think both guys, you have to feel you have to feel pretty comfortable, more comfortable than they're probably feeling last year with some of the defensemen who were injured. Um, and but you have Jason Demers, obviously, uh, you know a lot of the other guys on the blue line who dealt with some injuries as well so you have to be feeling pretty good about that and at that same token <clears throat> uh for the Coy- for coyotes fans a uh, little bit of probably so a few worries about just the injuries possibly haunting again you have Lawson Krause who goes out I think he's fine but they're just you know Barrett Hayton's been playing pretty well since he got slotted in and then you have um you have Jalmerson going out obviously and there's the wonder there's it hasn't been too much too much scoring so far, and Nick Jalmerson's already out. Sounds like I know around Halloween time here, but some old ghosts coming back for the Coyotes, and um, not at a not at a good time early in the season. So probably some worries there, but it's just one guy who went down, and I think those two defensemen that they have are more than capable. So I, I, like I said, I think it will be a great opportunity for both of them, and I think I fully expect both of them to you know stand up and um, make plays for themselves and. Give themselves give themselves a good opportunity to stay in as a uh, top three defense pair. Yeah, and, uh, or to stay in the you know the top three is on the ice. And Nick Jarmelson, um, one of the few players along with Kate Clayton Keller, um, that played all six or eighty two games last year. So a little ironic for a guy who played all the games last year on a team that couldn't stay healthy is the first one to go down. Um, I think the good news about that, if there is any good news, it's only three months. And it was an injury that you saw. I think a lot of the injuries last year were kind of, oh, hey, by the way, at practice, this guy's out. It, you kind of saw what happened. Again, not not that practices are televised, but it definitely wasn't one of those where like, oh, wow, he's hurt. What happened? Why did it happen? You kind of saw it. So um, in terms of who's on the ice tomorrow, I think it's Kyle Capobianco just to start that offense. As you said, night-to-night basis based on the needs, based on the teams they're playing. Um but I wouldn't be surprised to see Labushkin in there. He's a little more physical. The Jets are a pretty physical team up front, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him. So we'll see about that uh, tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow on the podcast, we'll preview that Jets game a little bit deeper. Um, and if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, 
It is at LO underscore Coyotes. Once again, that is at LO underscore Coyotes. For myself, you can follow me at SAskelson96. That is at S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-9-6. Andrew, where can the people follow you on Twitter at? Uh, it's at Andrew Bell 7 capital A, capital B. That is the Twitter plug right there. And, yeah, just for up-to-date Arizona hockey news, uh, feel free to shoot Seth or I a follow. And like I said, Seth, thank you again for having me. I know it's not every day that I'm on the pod, but uh, I always enjoy it when I'm able to come on and try to shed some of my astute wisdom that I hope people, uh, you know, find appreciate so <laughs> yeah we appreciate you coming on um again we'll talk to you tomorrow and we appreciate you listening follow all of us on twitter including the show um, hope you have a great rest of your evening and stay locked on coyotes